We you are look great. great. You, no, look, you great. look great. No, you, no, you. you look marvelous. You <laughs> look marvelous, it. darling. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hello. Movies. Talking movies or movie. We just do one now. I think it's... I, you know, mm. well, some weeks we'll do two. We'll have weeks coming up where we'll do two. Probably there's uh, there, there's a lot but, coming out but, next week. But so uh, we'll see. But uh, we're doing one. I like doing one sometimes. It's nice yeah. so you can just have a you know keep it tight or as tight Focus as we on keep that. it as tight as we keep it, which is not terribly tight. No, not terribly. But uh, but uh, we keep it tighter, tightish, tight adjacent, <laughs> tight adjacent. Uh, that's what we can do for you. And, Sounds uh, like a workout class. Tight, tight adjacent. adjacent. I'm sure that is a workout class. <laughs> it's some some crypto fascist gym, right? Or, yeah. No. Well, it's funny, right? There's so much like nerdery gets to everywhere, right? Nerdery gets to workout culture. I mean, oh my goodness. I mean, CrossFit yeah. is kind of a nerdy workout in a way because it's all like uh, you get these workouts that are all about like optimizing certain things and being very kind of academic about how exercise is best executed, which makes sense, right? I mean, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it to some maximum benefit. I think weed culture getting nerdy is the funniest one. Yes, I agree. Because there's weed nerds now, which seems antithetical. I've I've, uh, not really done weed in my life as that's not a surprise not to drinking you drugs not doing not that drugs drinking. i mean i whatever i do weed is fine i mean some people some people love it i i'm not one of those people i wouldn't say that i haven't done it but uh for me it's just funny i realized this when i was working in a coffee shop everything now aspires to fine wine like fine wine is the blueprint right because it used to be fine yeah. wine existed in kind of a rarefied zone where people would talk about tasting notes and mm-hmm. there would be varietals that would cost, there'd be a bottle of wine that cost $10 and one that cost $20 and one that cost $50 and one that cost $100. And I couldn't tell you anything about it. Yeah. Like if you put it in front of me, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what kind of wine it was. Absolutely not. I could tell you if it was white or red. <laughs> I could tell you. I can use that color. I could tell that. Yeah. Um, I could tell, you know, whether it was like sweet or not or whatever, but there'd be all the tasting notes and there'd be some that were just worth a shitload based on where the grapes came from. And if they were this special kind of, you know, vines and grapes and, you know, there's these vines in Napa where just the grapes sell for a bajillion dollars for anyone who wants to make wine out of it. And that was kind of by itself, right? Yeah. In a sort of special space of connoisseurship. And now we've got like everything has tasting notes. Everything, right? Everything has. There's sommeliers for everything now. Everything has like beer. It happened for obviously, um, coffee. Yes. Weed. Now everything has this kind of culture where it's you know when I was growing up, coffee was just coffee, and that meant like Folgers. Mm-hmm. And now I love coffee, and I, like, the fact that the uniform quality of coffee, even the coffee you get at a gas station or a diner has increased pretty significantly yeah. in the United States of America yeah. is a real boon, I think. And so I don't have a problem with it. I used to work for a gourmet coffee company Yeah, uh, back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> but, I mean, you do see the same culture of, you know, you get every every uh, bag of nice coffee you get has, like, four. Yeah. four. It has, oh, you know, blood orange or whatever. Yeah, I remember it's, it's mixed I mixed in the, with the cardamom coffee, and the coffee cinnamon. shop I worked in had um we we sold a coffee where the tasting notes included um cherry pixie sticks and that's where I knew someone was putting me on. <laughs> it's like you put that's a joke. Come on guys, you know you don't why you fuck with me like yeah, that? They, that's not fucking with us. That's not nice. It's not. That's not, but I I kind of appreciated in a way it had a sort of um it has sort of anarchic quality to put things like that, like a Monty Python. That would be the Monty Python tasting notes for something. You know, it's it's similar. The, I I I can talk about this and be like dismissive about it. You know, oh well, it's it's where the 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 grapes are grown when it comes to wine. It's where the coffee bean is grown, whether it's Peru. Yeah, the, the or, you know the terroir. Uh huh. And then, and then I, w- I could laugh about it, but then people would look at me as a barbecue aficionado. Yeah, you, they, you, they have the, the, wo- the particular woods, the be- the No, no, and- you, you are, you are a true connoisseur. <laughs> you have connoisseur qualities, not about these things, maybe, but no. we can't be connoisseurs of everything. Although no. I, I feel like that's kind of, um, it's part of this idea of like the democratization of luxury and connoisseurship into further into the middle classes, right? Yeah, where you can kind of 
get a taste of that world of fine wine in something, right? In something that you like, whether it's wine or most likely something else, right? Where you, you have a sense of really just tunneling from what is okay to what is good into what is great into some stratosphere of quality where it's not just what is great, but it's great in like this very specific way. Yeah. Right. And I can tell, right. The specific way that makes this a little great or a little unique, right. This, this coffee just is, is interesting or unique or exciting because it tastes different. It's, it's, it's nice in some way that is very special and specific to it. And that can only be achieved with this particular micro lot of beans from this particular plantation. But you are a true connoisseur, and perhaps a connoisseur of nothing so much as the cinema, right? <laughs> I, I try. So you are a connoisseur, an and we're talking, I think, about a connoisseur's movie today, a, I, a movie yeah, for the so. true cineast, Yeah, right? We're, of course, talking about Fast X. <laughs> the sniping in the press already happened. I was served a clickbait headline today about how... The Rock, not The Rock, Vin Diesel, whatever. One of these guys is blaming Jason Momoa for the poor performance of the movie because he was overacting. Um, it's so funny as if it, overacting was some sort are, of sin in the in the fast the the extended fast universe. I did, did it not do well? I figured it was just well, but, a well, sure thing. For one thing. of these movies to do well, I think it has to make a bazillion dollars. Oh, for sure. Right? It's not like making a hundred million dollars is good anymore for one of these movies. Now, for the movie we are talking about, Past Lives, I think making $100 million for it would be probably shocking. Shocking. But, 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 I, but, but I, it did break, I think, the top 10 uh, this last weekend. Well, yeah, because now it, went, it, it was limited, right? And then it went wild. Well, I will say this. I went on uh, Saturday night, which I usually don't do, because, I mean, I have an interesting relationship to my fellow human beings. Uh, I was talking too. about it was something about this earlier. I'm trying to be more positive about people. I'm trying to be less negative. Oh, but people, that's hard. But people, yeah, I mean, so, so I went to a theater. I, I went on Saturday night, which I usually don't go. I'm like, a, I like to go to like a matinee. I like to go when there's not yeah, many people. I was sitting in the second row, which I often do. I like to sit close. I like to sit in the second or third row. And uh, and uh, there were people next to me, which is very interesting. You don't usually see that. Even the second row at the screening that I was at, which is like 8 o'clock on a Saturday, granted, was, uh, was packed, which I felt good about. I mean, I didn't feel good about having, you know, a bunch of people like near you. I just like to have the seats <laughs> next to me open so I can kind of man spread yeah. or whatever it is I want to do. But, um, people were there. Uh, it was a packed theater and people were into it. I mean, it was a very, um, it was a live crowd. They did cheer for the Nicole Kidman thing, which I always think is a bad sign. Uh, I that don't, is a bad sign. But yes. they were, but they yeah. were engaged. They were into it, uh, and that was great. I felt good. I felt good that people were coming out to see this movie. I mean, granted, it's Los Angeles, right? This was Burbank, but whatever. This it, we're in LA, so this is a place where people will go see a movie like yeah. this. Where yes. if a, if a sort of early mid season indie gets some buzz, right, and people are just hungry for anything that's not the flash or that's not whatever fast X mm-hmm. people are very hungry for that, especially at this point in the year where we're getting into the deep into the throes of summer movies. Season. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to see a lot of the same things, same kind of concepts and stories. Well, well a suspension, is there a suspension bridge out there that's about to collapse? Uh, I, I think there's going to be many suspension it's bridges. Just, they're just the, those wires are just starting to pop. That shit's coming down. <laughs> Who builds a suspension bridge in the Marvel Extended Universe, the DC Universe? Don't do that. Don't yes. build a bridge. Don't get on a bridge. Yeah. yeah. Stay home. Yeah. You figure, figure some other Stay engineering Stay hunker techn- down. You've got a pretty modern technology. Yeah, in those get out universes. of there. Do not get on a bridge. <laughs> do not, I don't know. You live in San Francisco. Uh, no, not at all. You don't live in the Marvel San Francisco. Or New York, for that matter. You got to be crossing bridges. No, you got to be living in the middle. Stay in your borough. I think in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you would live more to the middle of the country because uh, yeah. less things seem to be happening. Yeah, you want to get out there. <laughs> you want to get out there. So we um, saw Past Lives. Past Lives. You saw Past Lives. You encouraged me to see Past Lives. Yes. I'm glad you did. Good. I know you like this movie. I loved it. So tell me about why you love this movie. You know, there's just something about these kind of small and yet and yet global like this is a global story it involves people from different countries it involves people with different backgrounds and experiences and yet their experiences are 
are intimate and they are really honed in on the individual. And there's something I love about these kinds of movies that express something grand and thematic while also orienting us in very personable and very careful characterizations. And so I love these kinds of movies. I think it's safe to say when something like this comes out. Like as soon as I saw the trailer, I knew I was probably going to love this movie. Yeah, yeah. There was just something about its conception, this idea of, I mean, and it's packed full of of complications. And that that's what I like. I, I think this movie works in that wavelength where... Movies oftentimes define things in very uh, broad terms, very romantic ideals, When especially when it comes to romance and characters that we have like a significant other, we have a soulmate, and usually it's defined in those kinds of ways with romantic comedies. Uh, or if it's in a drama sense, somebody's in the way of us getting uh, the, the truth and uh, what what is true for us in a sense of unif- unification. And so with this movie, it operates in that nuance. It o- operates right in that wavelength between the conceptions that things are easily defined. And what it, the result is that things are never easily defined. You, it is, there, there's these ideas of fate, destiny, but then there's ideas of choice and you know, regret, resentment, and and also contentment with, with some of those choices. And so as it follows these characters, you know, Nora, you know, and Haison, uh, you know, at an early age in Korea, as they, as Nora's family immigrates to Canada, then she immigrates to the United States. She has now broadened the the realm of her possibilities and her choices and then she's called back constantly to home country to nostalgia to bond and and purposely so because this is a a person that she deeply loved deeply cared about um and their bond is undeniable it's undeniable and whether it's a friendship or whether it's a love that can't be expressed because of choice and so these characters are treated so respectfully, so lovingly, and I just appreciated the nuance between what is happening between Nora and Haesong, what's happening between her and her husband, Arthur, what's happening between Arthur and Haesong. Like, this triangle is treated with all of its maturity, and and, and it's, it's not bombastic, it's not loud, it's quiet, it's reserved, it's tender... And even even when things are dramatic or things are not locking into place, even when there's insecurity, even when there's uh, unsh- an, an unsure quality to any of the characters, I just think it's beautifully framed, beautifully delivered, beautifully acted, and then the framing and what we can get into how it's done, everything is situated to complement the flourish, the feeling, and then but also at times the 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 melancholy of it all it's it's wonderfully done i yeah. think this is a beautiful beautiful movie it's great this movie's great it's a great movie it's a great movie it's yeah. definitely it's definitely in that category of small kind of early year movies that you just really are desperate to see yes. at this time yeah. of year and it really is tremendously self-possessed movie that really knows exactly what it's trying to do and yes. goes goes straight to 100%. it you talked about the trailer i thought this was a great bait and switch yeah i really yeah. like the bait and switch of this movie because yeah. the thing that you think is the main story of the movie really doesn't get rolling until the second half of the movie yeah. like i went in thinking it was going to be about yes this guy from the past comes in and problematizes or whatever he it's going to be about him showing up with an existing marriage in place and how that plays out yes and that doesn't really happen no until the second half of the movie the whole first part of the movie which i don't i did not anticipate at all is about this proto distance relationship between nora and Hesong that doesn't um that kind of peters out yeah in a 
kind of early digital format, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's very purposeful that it ventures the early stages of connectivity yes. and internet and yes. that that because it's skype it's like an early call and they they have dropouts they like it's not as uh, it's definitely pre- suboptimal way to yeah, communicate and this is before i mean we've all had it so normalized to us because of covid so many zoom meetings is yeah. zoom meetings yeah. zoom meetings or fucking hate zoom i won't do zoom <laughs> i fucking hate zoom i mean i do do some things on zoom still but i don't like it mm-hmm. i don't do these over zoom unless i have to yeah. Unless someone's in another fucking state because I can't deal with it. Yeah, that's I just, usually I don't me. like it. I don't like, well, whatever. It'll be me at some point. It's fine. It's not, it's not commentary on you. It's a commentary on we've all done it. We've all done we've it. We've all done it. We're we've all done it. these video meetings and these video calls. But it, Every day I have a video meeting. But 12 years ago, yeah, well, just, you know, this work, man. Working is, <laughs> working is a real motherfucker. But, yeah. But uh, 12 years ago, right? Because the movie happens in these with these 12-year intervals. There's them as kids, 12 years, them as, I guess, young adults, you'd say. Then 12 years, we get to that. What I thought was going to... Is, it is the big chunk of the story, but it's it's not the whole story. Kind of modern day, right, story of the 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 sort of triangle coming to its full conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Or its full, its full expression, right? But we don't get that till this, the, the latter half of the movie. What we get... In the first part of the movie, or the first big chunk of the movie, right? Because there's some, there's a kind of a smaller chunk of them as kids, and then there's the twelve year gap uh, of them as young adults, right? Having this this distance relationship that it's never clear what it is, yeah, and it ultimately goes away. Well, you don't kind know. Of, uh, it's not really kind clear of, to kind them. Of peters out. Yeah, it's not really clear to them either. It, and uh, there was really a lot of uh, relatability for myself in this chapter. Yeah, yeah. Because I did meet somebody online at one point. We developed Ooh. a friendship. Oh, computers. Um, computers. I mean, yeah. I mean, er- early stages of that, early days of that, ma- made connections. And then when it came down to like meeting up, like the, the this idea that's at central to the movie of like meeting up and making what is this this a possibility real her reaction was essentially you know where she's just like what is this like you know immediately starting to question the foundation of this like is there legitimacy to this online relationship is there legitimacy to the idea that she had of the boy in the past and the man that he is now well i thought it also captured really well an essential dynamic of things like that right which is that when you begin something there's always this excitement right the Mm -hmm. excitement of possibility the excitement of you work what could this be is this something this is something fun this is something exciting this is something novel this person likes me i like them we don't know exactly what it is, right? But there's this the sense of possibility, the sense of excitement, the sense of being desired, having someone be interested in you, you're interested in them. But the problem with it, it when it plays out purely online, right, is that there's no payoff, right? You just stay in this sort of frustrated state of mm-hmm. never really having to or being put in a position where you can shit or get off the pot, yeah. right, and take it to the next level or whatever we want to call it. And eventually that grows wearisome. Yes. That grows wearisome, right? I I grew wearisome in the dynamic. And when I called it out on it, when I was the one who pushed for some kind of definition, uh, it imploded. It imploded like like they all will. In some ways. But I mean, this is a similar situation, right? We see in this movie, right? Yeah. It's just like, it's just like, I don't, because... You know, everything you have got going on in your life occupies some sort of mental space, right? It takes up your time. You think about it, right? And thinking about it can be a good thing or a bad thing depending on what the thing is. Yeah. You might have something that makes you really happy and so you reflect on it. Say you're you're in a new relationship or you're going to go on a trip, right? You're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're excited about a trip and you're thinking about the trip. And sometimes when you're doing some shit you don't want to be doing or you're bored, you think about that. And that mental time, that rumination makes you feel good, right? Because yeah. you're, th- you're anticipating a future where something good is going to happen, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But certainly in this kind of a relationship situation, what this movie captures really well is how that sort of flips, Right, how the the time you spend thinking about it and the space it occupies in your brain goes from being something nice to being something frustrating and yeah. kind of a distraction. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
this is, I think, a very common thing in these kinds of relationships where it's, it's sort of the perfect polar. I mean, the real the real polar opposites, right, are her marriage in the second half of the movie and that relationship. Yes. Because yeah. the marriage in the second half of the movie is all lived, right? It's all like the gritty, grimy shit of the day, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're struggling for their apartments. They're yeah, both writers. You're, yeah, you're, you're, but I mean, also your life is just a lot. Of, I mean, like the conversations she has in that in that relationship are great because they're just so mundane, right? Yes, I do that, appreciate that. That's the stuff of life, right? Like, what are we doing here? I got to do this. We got to do that. Uh, great dialogue, sort of great, very accurate dialogue of a of a mature relationship where yeah, it's very attuned to th- this idea. You say mundane, and a lot of people would be like, "What does that mean? Boring?" No, it just means natural. It's just all natural. It's conversations you've had, I've had with any sort of partner laying in bed or, you know, about where are you going to go? Like, where, where, where is it going to go? And it's not that, that it's all defined that way. They do a really great job in defining and orienting Nora as this, uh, you know, a figure of attraction for both these men, but also that she is genuinely attracted to both of them as well. She's the one who seduces yeah. Arthur. And so there's something very genuine at the center of that. And then what does it evolve into? Something that's of seduction and of flirtation turns into something a little mundane, but it's comfortable and it's it's good. Like, it doesn't mean that it's boring. But also, nothing can be the sort of an- unalloyed positivity of like an early relationship whether it's virtual or physical yeah nothing can stay that way yes so what you have is a person who is in the middle of just so much ambivalence which yeah. i thought i thought yeah. that nora was sort of one of the most compellingly ambivalent characters i've ever seen performed a real compelling and very unmistakable and irresistible portrayal of someone who's just so ambivalent to I agree. so many things yeah. right and that is a real talk about things that are very resonant because that is a real picture of the sort of transition into middle age yeah right yeah. is this feeling of just deep ambivalence to your past to your present because you sit you feel the weight of the the road the routes you didn't take the things that didn't happen the failures the frustrations the choices that you did make which were good choices but have foreclosed so many other choices yes. right yeah yeah, it yeah. Is the life is the closing of doors right it is not the opening of doors <laughs> it is the closing of doors it certainly is. right because there are always going to be many 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 infinitely many on in some sense lives that you did not lead right yeah. down all those different you know dimensions that we cannot access yeah. right those timelines that did not come to pass or came to pass in some parallel universe right this is it, and the older you get, the more doors have closed, and we all, you know, have to go through the process. Hopefully, we get to some point where we're old, and we're totally sanguine about that. Yeah. We just feel fine, but she doesn't feel fine about it, although maybe the story, I think, is one of the things that the story is about is her taking the first step to feeling fine about it, which is about mourning. Yes. This is a, yeah. this is a movie about mourning that's so, true she has to she has to effectively and successfully mourn a bunch of things yeah right and that is to me a very resonant and honest interpretation of what it is to get into middle age is to be able to make your peace with yeah the life you have led and all the ones that you maybe could have or in the in a moment where you're frustrated wish you were living wish you had lived to make your peace with all those things. Yes. I do like the way you've put it. Mourning is a great word for it because she is caught in between a lot of ideas. Like this is somebody, you get to follow, this, this is the character. You get to follow her through an understanding of her past and what was joyous and, uh, you know, connective with a particular person and the flirtations and ideas of the, with that person at such a young age revisit it through the pos- through an idea of possibility that the the internet gives us and this this goes to your point that give the internet the idea of comparing lives the idea of see, seeing the world in a larger picture or being connected to a larger world 
gives us even more possibilities, even yeah. more roads. Yeah, it, it only it only blows out, yeah. right? Which is why the the second chunk of her life we're finding is right at the front end of that. The yes. front end of the notion, and not quite the front end. I, it's funny, you, I think about this. I had a friend in high school in the late 90s who um, sort of had an online relationship romance with someone across the country. Uh, he was a very early adopter, right? Sure. And I remember this person um, he eventually met up with, and I was actually present for some parts of that because it was on a school trip. And uh, it went about as as well as you think a thing like that would, which is to say not very. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is it, – it, it was – that was back when, like, meeting people online – and they don't really meet online. They reconnect online. So that's a little less stigmatized, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. But, like, there was a time, believe it or not, where meeting people online was considered the provenance of real freaks. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, like, like sure. it's not, obviously, now that's, it's the way people meet. Oh, yeah. There, there was the way a ro- sense. romances begin, for yeah, the there, most part. There was a sense of embarrassment. Uh, I had some friends who uh, were initial adopters or, like, experimenters with the idea early on when, like, eHarmony started to come on. Yeah. Um, in these early match.com. But yours are like Craigslist, man. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> real. That's that, that. But I, I mean, even that's, the, that's the, the, the early business model adopters of the Craigslist yes, kind of yeah, model. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah no, <laughs> no, there were, there were, yes, it was certainly, it went from Craigslist and like clearly like Usenet groups and like people, I mean, it was really a way for people to connect who were into like, you know, things we're not, we don't want to talk about too much. Like, you know, it still is. It's a big way for people in the BDSM, the kink community to meet people. Yeah. Because, you know, the more specific a thing you're looking for, I mean, it used to be for people who are looking for something very specific or people who are just a little more like risk taking, right? Like, oh, wow, I want to hook up. Let's see what happens. Right, and now it's kind of for everyone. Every yeah. I feel like almost every they single like, person they is have a marital swiping. affair one. Which one's that? Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison. Whatever. I mean, yeah. they, got one, they got farmers meat. <laughs> they got black people meat. They got Christian mingle. They got they got them all. They got them all. They got them all. There's, I mean, that but that's the when these things come into their their later period, their efflorescence. Right, you get a niche product. Right, yeah. you've got even something like. Like Tinder is the one for hooking up, and Bumble is the one right where the women can decide if they want to talk, and yeah. so that's that's kind of. I mean, you get these different ones that are catering to different for populations. Sure. Well, and I think in relation because you're right, they are not meeting online; they are reconnecting online. But there is still that sense of, and I'm I, I think this is, might be too strong a word, but it might explain why things don't necessarily coalesce and unify them in the way that it's meant to be or maybe that that maybe high song hopes so or maybe that uh nora is leaning towards as things start to develop yeah, and yeah. ingratiate there is kind of a sense of a weird sense of shame to that it's like for her she's like expanded her universe she's gone to canada she's now in america and United States because Canada is in North America, uh, and and with that, her her ideas and her choices, her opportunities have now expanded. She constantly talks about like at an early age she wanted to be a Nobel Prize winner, and she's talking about the Pulitzer. Like she's and then she she ends on the Tony. Right, each phase has a. A, a diminished, prize. yeah, a diminished, well, but know. also I, a prize. I mean, I mean, Pulitzer and Tony is probably about an equivalent, an equivalent. Right? I would say. I would say that's a rough equivalent. I mean, it depends, right? Depends. Um, and and so it is interesting that they that she she is a dreamer. She she's constantly fixated. It is a battle. It's a battle between what she wants and her ambitions and her. Um, what what she is looking for for her future she's constantly kind of orienting it in that way and then here's a figure not only of her past not only a past of country and origin but a past of romance and maybe possibilities and ideas and i do like that it is you know because you use this word mourning and it builds up to her flirting with the idea like walking these paths with haison you know in the latter part of the movie uh, going to the uh, this wonderful shot, I think it's Brooklyn Bridge. Is it? Is yeah. it? I mean, it, it it harkens to like Woody Allen's Manhattan. There's something you know melancholic, but also beautiful and romantic about the 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 figure of New York and like all of its expanding possibilities. And that in that moment they get to share it. And it, but 
And oftentimes when there's a lot of conversation between them, but there is a lot of quiet moments where they're just looking at each other, just sitting with each other. And I think it is her, if you look at her closely, and this is, this really is a testament to Greta Lee uh, who plays Nora. Tour de force. Oh my goodness. Tour de force. And and not in the way that you would apply that usually. Tour de force usually is something like Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction. You know, Meryl Streep and... I don't know Sophie's choice, you know. Although this, this, this really is a tour de force in how controlled, immersive, and understood she like lives and breathes this character. And and again, the nuance, not and it's the nuance and subtlety of facial expressions, and what's going on because you can really understand how she's processing this. That. When she talks with her husband, I don't think there is an air of lies when she says, no, I'm I'm here with you. I've made this choice. Like, she talks about choice, but then she talks about destiny, and she's having conflicting ideas with that. And in those moments, in those quiet moments, wh- whether she's with Haisong or with Arthur, my goodness, the performance tells you so much about it, how she's processing both of these people. Yeah, but uh, see, it's interesting, right, because I, I think this is a testimony to the greatness of the movie and the greatness of her performance i don't think she ever is considering like leaving with no 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 i am not even saying that contemplating that no i don't think she'll ever leave arthur i think she she might leave arthur but not not for high song not for high song no 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 it's it's not this idea she is pro it's it is in the processing i don't think it's a consideration i think it's processing it is go it's it's like living in this moment experiencing this person in order to leave it behind but i mean what's amazing right is like she is like it's like it's very interesting right because you have a person who is like she is fundamentally like the strongest person in the movie, yeah. and she's with yeah. she she has this love triangle with these two kind of weak men, <laughs> right? Because they're both she they're keeps both describing the one the Korean guy as really masculine, and it's yeah, really kind of funny. But yeah, but 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 she, in a way, what she's trying to say there, or part of what she's trying to say, is that he can't deal with this. Like yeah. he does not have the emotional maturity to deal with the thing that needs to be dealt with that she processes for, through the movie. Like, she is the one, she wins in the movie because she is able to to exercise something that needed to be exercised, which is to stare in the face another life that she could have had and that she could very easily idealize, right? Because, like, what Sung wants is he wants to forever hold on to an idea. Yes. Yeah, right? Yeah. And to hold that, it's like... When you're in a relationship, but you maintain some sort of flirtation with another person, and that person is kind of backburnered to you, and you know, like, well, maybe there's something there, right? Mm-hmm. And he wants to hold on to the idea, which is always better. Or not bad, I don't want to say better, that's the wrong word. It's always more perfect and pristine, right? And so it has a kind of beauty. It's like the difference between having an idea of something you want to write about and actually sitting down to write it. Yes. Because immediately once you try to actualize something, whether it's a, a thing you want to write or a relationship, it gets messy and difficult. Absolutely. Right? Because, the, because it can't be pure and crystalline the way it is in your head. And he wants to hold that thing in his head forever and ever and ever. And yeah. she doesn't. No. Right? Because she's the adult. She's the mature person. Right? And so she is able to do the thing that maybe he has started to do. Because I do think he has an arc. I do think he merges. You have more hope for him at the end of the movie yes. that he can grow up. Yes. Right? But she she is a grown-up, right? Yeah. And that is her great triumph, right? Because when she starts to weep at the end of the movie, it's not because she's sad she can't go with him. It's because she is finally purging the emotional baggage yes. of yeah. Of something that could have been and didn't, yeah, and that is that is when you really become an adult, right? A mature adult. And she has a great line. There's a great exchange between her. She says, "Like we were babies." She's talking about the three chapters in the movie. We were babies then when we were children, and we were also babies when we were talking. You know, they were. That's the second infancy, right? When you're a young adult, yeah. you leave the nest yes. and you have to yeah. fend for yourself. We were babies then too, yeah, but we're not babies now, yeah. Right. And so this is about kind of one of and I don't think we get movies about this because we don't get a lot of movies about people like entering into middle age. It's not like a sexy time to make a movie about. But this is a movie 
about, and I, and I feel this very acutely because this is exactly the stage of my life that I'm at. This is a movie about sort of, I think in a lot of ways, the last kind of great or true emergence from infancy and from childhood mm-hmm. is, the, is the acceptance of the life that you have in the face of your knowledge that there are so many of them that you didn't, right? Yeah. You could have done this, you could have done that. And if you're having a down moment or you're frustrated with where your life is, the idealized version of that other life is always going to look better. Yeah. Yeah. Than the life that you have. And to abandon that is the final phase of becoming a mature adult person. And what's important about that is that a lot of people don't make that step. It's very true. And that's why they end up old and embittered, right? And I know, and this is why it's such a great triumph and why you feel so excited for her at the end. You feel so, I feel so like, I don't say proud of her. I feel like good for her because you know she won't end up old and embittered because she did the thing. She did right? it. She did yeah. the thing. And and by, and Heisen gave her, and that's why what, when Arthur says it's good you came, you did the right thing, it's a very perceptive comment because yeah. what he realized, or what he, maybe he realizes, maybe he doesn't. Maybe it's irony, maybe, maybe. But what he's saying is true. And the reason it's true because because for Nora, she gets to stare it at the face and affirmatively say, you know what, that... I left that behind, and that's okay. Yeah, I accept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I accept yeah. the life I've chosen, and that I had to let go of these things. Yeah. And she has to do double mourning, right? And this is what makes her even more powerful character because the first choice was taken from her. Yes, right. In a it's very true. now, in, as children, we all have choices made for us by our parents, right? But that choice of immigrating, moving to a whole nother culture, a whole nother society, like basically, she says, like I, she doesn't quite use this language. She says, "I had to kill that person. Mm-hmm. Like I had to let that person die. I had to leave that person. I left her with you." What a powerful thing to say. Someone next to me gasped when she said that. So that tells you how impactful that line is, especially yeah. for someone who could relate. Because I, I cannot relate specifically to an immigrant experience, but it's like she had this break. This clean break, and and you think about that scene early in the movie where her mother is like, "Well, I'm trying to make good memories for her by letting her go on the state." Like, what what a painful thing to do, yes, right? I agree. To like, to like give her something I to agree. hold on to that she can't. That like, here's a nice thing for you to remember, but it's something you can't have. It's something I'm going to take from you, yeah. And that is going to be foreclosed to you. Yeah. Is this whole other life that you could have had? Which, like I said, it doesn't matter, right? Because if she lived that life, that life would have been the messy one, and the idea of being an immigrant would be the one that was crystalline and perfect there's nothing there's nothing qualitatively different it's not like that life is better in some objective sense but the perfect version of it will always be better than the real version of your actual life yeah the the mother's philosophy is explained very early on she's not much of a character as the movie uh like as it moves like she has these phone conversations her mother is kind of like a connection to the korean past but also it's it's she's the only one she speaks korean with and it's kind of that embodiment. But when she's talking with the other mother, she says, "Why are you immigrating? She goes, you're artists, like you, your your husband. You got a uh, good life here. You yeah. got a good life." And she goes, "Well, when you you know you lose some things, you gain some things, and it's that that sort of trade off mentality that sort sort of defines what the trajectory of this all is. Is that you in life you do lose things and you also gain things. Like Nora has lost." you know, the full connection to what it would be like to be a Korean woman, you know, that she is now defined in a more complex notion about being a West Westerner and Easterner in the same body, in the same uh, idea. And Haesong represents, you're right, not only the idealization of who she would be or who she is, but it's also he is the connective tissue to her past. And she's she's you're right, she's moved beyond strictly being just Korean. She is beyond like she is more worldly, more expansive than that. Not that there's and there's no judgment on him being strictly Korean and having that, you know, that sense of culture and philosophy. But she is beyond that. And that's that's why there's a complex character here. And how all of them fit in 
to a realization to what she needs, how she needs to move forward. But it's it's such a funny moment when the mother says that because at least as it's subtitled translated, it's it's almost a little wooden. Right? Sure, it's a little yeah. wooden, and it's funny, right? Because it's kind of a great little variation on the the cinematic trick of sort of stating the theme of the movie earlier, putting For the sure. theme of the movie in a character's mouth. Because in some sense, that is what it's doing. But what's funny is that the statement is such a bit of shop-worn wisdom, right? It, it, it has a kind of fortune cookie quality to it, It does, right? yeah. To mix my Asian cultures, right? <laughs> but it, um, the point of the movie is how hard it is to take on board something like that. Absolutely. Right? So the theme of the movie is really about not so much the truth of that statement, which is like there's no statement more true than like, you're best served accepting whatever, right? Like, acceptance is always the right move, right? At least internally, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not talking about some sort of quietism where you just let anything happen, you let yourself get rolled over. But at any given moment, you're probably best psychologically served by just saying, well, okay, this is what it is. This mm-hmm. is my life, right? Yeah. This is what it is. Uh, it's so shop-worn that it's kind of hilarious, right? But how you get that thing, how you get that feeling of acceptance. Yeah. What that costs you, what you have to sort of be able to do, what you have to be able to endure. You have to be able to stare this thing in the face and say, okay, I this is what I chose with all its messiness. Yeah. I, this is what I chose and I'm going to be okay with it. Yeah. She's, and she, when Nora says lines like that to Arthur, where she does talk about choice, she does talk about that she, that she does not regret her choice. There, it's still situated in the complexity of being confronted with Haisong, like his presence and what's going on. And what I like about the movie is that it, it takes even herself to, to, like she she does believe that but then it, it takes a kind of extra step of realization to know what that means to accept like she has accepted in a kind of pragmatism and uh and maybe even more so than that because i do think she loves arthur i do think that there is genuine affection uh how they oh, definitely. How, how the, how they portray Definitely. that marriage is um no that that felt like a very honest good portrayal of a middle-aged marriage. I thought that that was I thought that was really very well done and Absolutely. very resonant. But I mean what's funny right is the movie and so what the movie achieves is this kind of and what she achieves, right? What Nora achieves is this kind of amazing synthesis, right? Where they talk about this idea of anyang, which is this kind of idea of um, is that what's called Anyan? Uh, it's Anyan. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, idea yeah. Something of like destiny, very right? This kind of Korean idea of destiny, right? And but it's in the context of a sort of a, a kind of idea of recurrence and a kind of idea of reincarnation, right? Where she is able to synthesize in her, you know, with a healthy amount of skepticism, because she has a great line about how, like, this, this kind of language is how Korean people, like, seduce people. It's, it's such it's, a great it's, line. It's, I do like that because it, it's a double effect, because you don't get a lot of conversations between her and Arthur before they are then married. You get, a, like, kind of a montage. It's very yeah. quiet. It's very casual. But in that moment, not only has she seduced him, and you believe it, she's seduced you as well. Like, yeah. the audience gets sedu- seduced as well. Oh, in that she's moment. so compelling. Yeah. She's so compelling, right? And to go through these two different, very different periods is also a great bit of acting. Absolutely. Right, because that line about we were babies and we aren't babies, like, like she, she ends, you know, she has to develop this very sophisticated way of seeing the world, yes. right? Yeah. And the way of seeing her, herself and her life, right? That, like I said, it's just not, this is not very well-worn territory. I mean, the movie very appropriately uh, references Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, oh, which much, is yeah. also in the category of these movies that try to deal with the sloppiness of adult love, yeah. right? And it's a great testimony. It'd be a great double feature of the very different ways you can get at these ideas. One mm-hmm. of them with a sort of magical realism, and the other with just a straight up kind of cinema verite realist quality to yeah. it. And they do. Yeah, it, it does strike you. 
it's cinema verte got me thinking about what are the kind of precursors to this kind of style but it is kind of like french poetic realism from like the 30s yes yes because it doesn't have the handheld camera and shit like that and it's not like documentary style but it is very quiet yeah great soundtrack though really great soundtrack i don't even know who did it but whoever good shout out to you or you you all (laughs) uh it it was just like i said we just don't get a lot of movies like this no which are really sort of getting into a crisis point a life crisis point that doesn't get enough attention i agree right because she has to sort of re recast and recapitulate her cultural ideas in the context of her her deeper existential insight right which is that there is no answer mm-hmm. like you make a choice and you'll never know you can never know right you can never know what it would have been like if you did the other thing yeah all you can really say is that at this moment this uh is what happened and maybe if there's just a slightest difference it would have happened differently maybe maybe one moment is different one thing happens differently uh you know they stay in korea instead of go to america one of them in that second chapter where they're having a skype relationship one maybe one of them pulls the trigger and says let's try let's have a go at this right let's Mm -hmm. try to actually make this happen i'll come there you come here whatever whatever all of this uh could have happened right and your life is you know a lot of mundane moments and then these inflection points where you could have gone one way you could have gone the other way you move and you didn't you move you didn't move you take this job you take that job you pursue this relationship you don't pursue that one you stick it out in this relationship. You don't stick it out in that one, right? That's it. That's yeah. life. And you will always be able to look back at what seemed to you to be these branching moments and say, what if, you know, thinking about this, I think, uh, you know, I relate this movie quite heavily to ideas that define my own kind of trajectory of life and relationship. I, you know, this idea of fate, destiny, there's the, you know, the inyong that they, they talk about. I could, I could interpret it in all of the serendipitous romantic qualities and aspects that, you know, unified my own relationship with Katie, where I wasn't even using Bumble. She just happened to join Bumble and she's, because she swiped right on me, it notified me because, and, and then I joined and I was like, you know what? Beep, beep, beep. I made a choice. I made, I made a choice. And, it, but you can talk about it in all these kind of high destiny sort of ideas. But really, when it comes down to is we do make choices. And then those ideas, you know, those, we look back upon those ideas in kind of romantic notions because we made that choice. And I think that this movie is having a dialogue with choice and destiny and ultimately leaning more towards the idea of choice and how important that yeah. is. And I, and I think that that but, really defines a, a you know, a but it's large choice and part. acceptance. Right? Yes. It's choice yes. and acceptance. Yeah. yeah. Because when you make a choice, you have to accept, you have to accept you the don't. Con- well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, if you don't, you're in for a world of you're pain. You're in for a world of pain, for sure. Right, and we don't, you know, we get people, you know, we get the men in this movie who are less at peace, right? Who yes. Do, who do not, who do not yeah. have that peace. Although they get a, they get a little shred of it. Like Nora is so powerful. And such an exemplar of something that she kind of brings them both along a little bit. She, and, and there is they that... both they both in their own ways sort of at least want to rise up to her example. Yes, absolutely. Right. Not only that, but there is that moment where she goes to the bathroom and it's just them at the bar. It's the, it's a, you know, the, and now we get to have this idea where they talk about destiny in Yom between even themselves because yeah. now here they are in this moment between each other what does that mean what does that define yeah. and let's and and, the, and in that concept it broadens high song and i think it grounds arthur like in beyond his insecurities and his doubts like it it it, it like mends and brings them together well, because it, of because of her well, and it also lets her say he made the right decision which is like part of his his love for her right is this idea that he recognizes that her meeting up with Hai Sung was actually a good thing. 
right? That it was actually something that she needed to do, right? And that he should be able to set aside his jealousy relative to that or whatever sort of neurotic fear he has about it and see that for her personal growth, it was important for her to be able to stare this thing in the face and say, yeah, I did forgo, I did forsake that path, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yes, yeah. As opposed to have it sort of lingering as this regret, like to yeah. actually put it to bed. Yeah, right. That's that's that was really essential for her, and that's and to sort of be able to get out of the way of that and accept that that is a good thing and that it should happen, and that it, if it happens, it would be good for her and ultimately good for them as a, for their marriage. That's an act of maturity, yes. right? You yeah. know, it's like it's like you know your 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 partner goes to see their ex, right? And there's always this feeling, like, like I don't really like that, right? Yeah. But if they want to do it, that you have, they have to do it. Yeah. And and getting in their way or being like a shithead about it just makes you look bad. Yeah. And I think that the they they in in an aspect of character, how they portray Arthur in that sense, like that jealousy is is not only warranted but natural his insecurity will come in even though they've been married for 12 years that there shouldn't really be a problem but but they also treat it as like he's like i'm not going to tell you you can't see him i'm not going to tell you get in the way of that yeah i'm going to feel yeah, it these things it never lapses into melodrama it never Which lapses into him him being like it's him or me. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> yeah. some shit like that, which is just like. I think the movie is very well aware of how we sort of define relationship dynamics. Well, and I, I suppose maybe it's in, in the West, you know, because if you think of the complexities of like Wong Kar Wai, you know, coming out of Hong Kong, like how he defines ro- romance and relationships in a more melancholic uh, mode. I think he has an interesting uh, realm of complexity when he considers people in the in the the throes of romance and lust and the dynamics between them. Celine's song here, I think, does either from personal experience or or the combination of Western Eastern, you know, uh, uh, dynamics because she she it is very semi autobiographical. Is is a Korean Canadian, uh, you know, did immigrate to Canada and utilizing that to 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 complicate what is really broad in our understanding that it would in our minds it does result in kind of cinematic melodrama or histrionics and here it's just treated so measured and so real because this is how these situations unfold this is how they would unfold and i really appreciate that about it this is a debut feature so I have to give her so much credit, yeah. not only in in the d- d- the design, the themes, and the characters of her script, but how she articulated that them with these great actors. Like I think it's great performances across the board, and and then you know utilizing the camera to accentuate the the idea of of possibility, its grandness. But then also in the intimacy, in the idea of choice, and I think in the in the cinematic language that she develops, she's articulating and um, enhancing everything that's at the core of her movie. I think this this borders on a kind of perfect film, like you know where it 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 its intentions, its ideas, and how do they generate them through all of the the pieces together from the music, the cinematography, the acting. Um, the locations that they choose, the framing, it just from each individual framing shot, this might be a perfect movie. This is this is my favorite of the year so far because it is yeah. so. Con- you, you use the word uh, it, it borders on self self awareness earlier on that it's uh, uh, self possessed. Yeah, and I do. There's there's no false note in this. There's just no false note. This is an articulation of a personal experience that relates to a universal acceptance and relatability. And that's, that's a, an achievement. Yeah. yeah it's no. an achievement. Well, I mean, how many times do we say it's all about specificity? Specificity breeds relatability. Specificity is what makes yeah. entertainment accessible. Yeah. No, I mean, v- very reminiscent uh, to me of, uh, of after sun from last year. Very similar. After sun oh, is also just, just a, a debut brilliant. feature very personal movie, very self-possessed movie, a movie dealing with 
in a very different way, but similar ideas of history and memory and how we understand our lives, how we come to terms with where we find ourselves, things yeah. that have happened. Um, I think great companion pieces too, right? Really, you know, two two movies mourning something. Mo- yeah, how you how do you mourn something? Um, and also the movies that have both surprised me too in another way, which is that they both are very understated and have a kind of slow burn quality that I wasn't yeah. expecting. It was yeah. less. It was less like um, less like going for the big moment. And more just sort of slowly insinuating yourself, right? Just insinuating yourself so that when that final moment comes in past lives where she gets back to the stoop and she breaks down and cries, it's a very powerful moving moment because it's it's so earned. It's so earned by the movie and it's so earned by her, yeah, right? And so I, I, I think that the movie is a powerful, like I said, it's a powerful triumph, parallel triumphs, triumphs of the filmmaker, triumphs of the protagonist, right? Yeah. To really drive home that need to make your peace with the life you've led, with the life you've chosen, which, like I said, is just, <clears throat> you know, it's a very it's a very mature movie. And, I mean, you, you, you mentioned, you know, sort of the, the he who must not be named Voldemort of cinema, Woody Allen, earlier. This, <laughs> Sorry. This, no, that's fine. I mean, I mean he, he will, um, for better or worse, loom over the kind of New York City relationship movie, right? And, I mean, you know, however icky a person he is on some level. Uh, But I will say that um, his movies, even if you take all that personal stuff away, uh, there's there's a lot to like about them, but they can also be at times a bit grating. Oh, that's true. And I I think that's on purpose. I think the, the kind of... A Manhattan kind of 70s, 80s demimond that he is portraying is full of people that are kind of grating. Yeah. Uh, and we get a, in in The Husband a sort of Woody Allen-esque, Allen-esque character, a sort yeah, of uh, neurotic Jewish writer who writes a book called Boners, which which <laughs> a few people, myself included, thought was hilarious, and no, I, like me and a few people next to me just thought that was really funny, and it, were just laughing was, hard. And absolutely, I think other hysterical. people were were not uh, maybe tracking as much what was so funny about that moment. But what's so funny is that also speaks to what how much the movie is about kind of masculinity, right? Yeah, and, and sort yeah. of and and kind of because the, because it's funny she describes uh, hey Sung is so uh, masculine, but they're both very in their own ways kind of trapped by obsessed with you know kind of possessed by their ideas of manhood and masculinity i agree and so as much as anything this this movie is a sort of a very subtle commentary on kind of the limitations of some masculine need to kind of exert control over dominance yeah and, and and remake the world as you want it yeah right because her triumph is not in remaking the world as she wants it her triumph is accepting the world as it is as it is which is which is, it turns out, as a grown-ass adult, the only triumph that is really available to you, <laughs> right? Because you're not going to remake yeah. the world as you wish. Yeah, the world impossible. is that you are not going to sort of, you know, you know, like a lathe, just shape the world as you would like, yeah. right? You, if you feel good, you will feel good because whatever the fuck has happened to you, you manage to be okay with it. That's how you'll feel good. Yeah. That's what's available to you as an adult. Absolutely. And, well, and she she takes a big step towards that. And they both take sort of smaller steps towards it, like I say, inspired by her. Yes. So she is a very inspirational figure. Yeah, their masculinity, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. Because I do think if you look at the framing of the two men and how they're split, that it is a conversation about what they're putting upon Nora. And their especially with High Song and his idealization of her, but also Arthur and like what is his possession of her as his as his wife and like what does that mean and maybe the the grating insecurity that in you know that drives him as a creative like how what what does her dabbling in the past or with a you know former as he talks about it it is about what her decisions relate to him and not for what they are for her in general yeah you're and, you're special. Yeah, you're special, um, and we can relate to this because our 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 partners are both more impressive than us, right? They are, so we indeed. have to we have to sort of be like, well, what are you doing with me? 
Uh-huh. Are you sure this is a good choice for you? Yeah. Which is, you know, which breeds its own kind of jealousy, right? Like, yeah. maybe I'm not that great, right? That's a sort of classic neurotic dude refrain with uh, these more impressive women that we end up with. And I think, you know, there's a real honesty there. But like his, like I said, his acceptance that this is a good thing for her to meet Sung and process this mm-hmm. is, is, is growth. Yeah. And, and Sung's ability, and his growth really is very interesting because his growth is an ability to say some things plainly that he was not able to say. Yeah. How yes. badly he wanted something with her, how sad he was that he couldn't have it. Yeah. Because that is the beginning of him doing the thing that she has done, yeah. which is mourning something that is gone, yeah. as opposed to just forever holding it as like this kind of idealized fantasy that he could sort of think about when, yeah. you know, that's why he thought about it when he was in the military. It's like, I need something, some alternate reality that's nice to think about that I can have as a pipe dream For sure. when my life is shit. Yeah. Right. No, and, and that conversation is great because... He begins with the what ifs, and she takes the what ifs into scenarios he didn't even think about, yeah. and it it really puts into perspective the process that what if does because what if t- can take you down so many paths. But but it's also great because she gets to be the catalyst for their change and growth while still growing and changing more and more impressively herself and yeah. being a complete anti sort of manic pixie dream girl because yes. none of it is for their benefit. None. It is all done for her whole benefit and she gets to be in her way kind of the stereotypical like I don't want to say masculine hero but like the, the sort of protagonist who like who gives who gives us like almost in a Greek sense like gives the people this this example to which they can aspire yeah right it's like they get to see her doing the thing that they need to do yeah you know that that sort of acceptance of life <laughs> and it and it brings them a little closer to her ideal For so sure. she manages to grow she manages to be an inspiration just by extension of being the best version of herself, yes. right? Which I think is a, is a great sort of inversion of the usual trope where it's like, you're already a magical person and you can and help this change guy, me. And you can help this guy me. feel better. Yes. Right? It's like they feel better just as a total, um, as a total externality to yes. her doing her own thing, which I think is kind of great. Yes, I agree. I think this was great. Um, I, Go I, see this movie. I Get highly recommend ass. it. Go see this movie. Yeah. Go support it because these are the movies that need the support. Yeah, this is great. This like, movie's great. The, the, I'd say, I think it's been I think it's been pretty good so far this year, actually. I feel like it's been a decent I don't know. early. I, it's been it's kind been of a, meh. But but see the problem is you're comparing part of the year that's always a weak part of the year against a whole other year, right? Like there's for still sure. a lot of good movies. Oh yet no, to come. I, I have hope but, for but, things that are coming but, out. Can had some really interesting things. But I'm just saying uh, like we've gotten we got we got uh, uh, we got a couple good like big movies in the John Wick movie and the Spider Man movie. Sure, we yeah. got a movie like Air, which is better than it had a right to be. Sure, Blackberry, which I really liked a I lot. I did like Blackberry. I mean, I think it's been pretty good. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I really. Liked, I, th- I think yeah. it's. I think for an early year, I think it's been pretty good. I think to get a movie that you to get at by this point in the year, a movie that you're calling perfect or near perfect, I think is pretty good. Oh no, yeah, I, I, think, mean, I think I think I think I'm cautiously optimistic here. Usually, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic about 2023. No, no, which I'm, will probably be a terrible year for humans. It look, it's shaping up to be a really bad year for humanity. I mean, yeah, but uh, but it could be a good year for the cinema. Yet, you know, knock. On, I'm going to knock on the script supervisor script table. Supervisor table. Script supervisor table. Bring us more good movies. Yeah, it's hard to say. I I am not by this point in the year I'm usually I usually have strong feelings about two or three maybe four movies. Um I I have maybe two right now but like this in John Wick. I mean yeah, yeah, the John Wick. I'm I, I like to cross Spider-Verse too. Um yeah, I mean I, I I'm just, just trying to think of like but but John Wick I don't know will make my top 10 and even though I felt very strongly about it, like I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think a year where that it's movie, going as, to much sour. As, as much as you loved it, I think if you, if you, we have a year where that movie doesn't make your top ten as much as you loved it, I think it would be a good year. If there are ten movies that you That's like fair. more than that. Although, 
my positive, I have to hold on to my positive interpretation of John Wick 4 at the expense of the talk that they're going to make a fifth one, that they're, they're talking about it. It's kind of ruining it. Like, I really hope they don't. This is just a fanboy shit. I, no, I, I, that was an end for me. That was an end is to the, that. Is, the, is the, ter- the terrible upcoming Indiana Jones movie going to ruin Raiders of the Lost Ark for you? Come on, you got to be no, strong. No, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull already did yeah, that. Yeah, so. George Lucas, you're raping my childhood. Whatever. <laughs> I, mean, I just think that sh- that that fan shit's funny, right? Wh- whatever. I mean, so yeah, I still think I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic. I'm gonna be cautiously optimistic. I'm gonna try. To, I'm trying to be more positive in life with people, with movies, with everything. With everything. With everything. Well, that's good. I'm, mo- I'm moving, so it's like new new me. Uh, so what do we got? We got Flash next week, right? We got Flash and uh, Asteroid City. Okay, if we want to try do and do we gotta both. We got to do a double. We got to do the doble. Yeah. We got to do the doble. Yeah. Got to do it. I mean, I'll probably also see Blackening. I'll probably also see maybe Elementals, but I don't know. Is the, Elementals next week yeah. too? Fuck. There's a lot next week. That's crazy. Yeah. You can't do that to us, Hollywood. I know. Especially because four. the week after is not not as packed, and then then it's uh, Indiana Jones by its lonesome. I guess people didn't want to go up against Indiana Jones. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, that's four? That's fucked up. We won't do all four. Well, I, know, I, I say I, Asteroid I, City Flash. I mean, I guess, I guess, I mean, Blackening, I mean, I, I don't know. I Probably the one I'm probably least interested in, although I'm, I am sort of interested in from the perspective of, like, if we know what the joke is, like, what are sure. they going to, like. Yeah, it, what, how, how well do you do yeah, it? Yeah, you know? I mean, like, if the joke, <laughs> if you're just pretty much telling us, like, okay, this is the joke, right? Yeah. But if it ends up being funny and entertaining, kind of with that in mind, that's that's an impressive feat in of itself. My my hopes for it, if it if it has lofty ambitions, is to be the black cabin in the woods. So if if it can land even remotely close to that, that would be impressive. But you're right. We already know what the joke is. So what what do you do? I'm actually probably see elementals too because that's a. I think my my family wants to see that. Absolutely, we will see. We will talk about some movies. We'll talk about some movies next week. We'll talk about and and if if the uh, next couple weeks are you know are uh, have a minimum offering, we can expand the conversation. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, well, it's it's good. It's exciting. All right. Well, Ben, we did it. We did it. Kyle Brule. I know movies and you don't. Give him money. If Even, you have some left over, give it to me yeah, at Dead Reckoner sure. on the Substack. Yeah, I, I just posted today on Facebook that I probably need a second job, and, <laughs> and so money is would be welcome. Yeah, so. give this guy some money. He looks he looks like shit. No, you look uh, gorgeous. No. You look gorgeous. I'm just trying to build up. I'm going to uh, go to the gym after this. He's going to the gym. He's going to fucking blast his pecs. Send him some money. <laughs> Send him some money. Maybe I'll post some pictures for you. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. For... Uh, for the fans. For the, for the fans. For my little, only fans. thirst content for the fans. Uh, ben Thalen, Dead Reckoner Substack, his musings, his writings, his thoughts. Uh, get more of those there. Also, give him money. Give me money. I'm moving. Yeah, it's fucking expensive. <laughs> uh, okay. Great job. Good Great job, job out of you. Yeah. Well, next week. Absolutely. We'll see some movies.